Do you ever lead anyone virtually? How about have any colleagues that you don't see regularly but interact with online? Maybe even a family member? In today's show, we'll look at some best practices for leading and influencing virtually. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 87. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help smart people improve their communication and leadership skills. And one of the things I'm always doing with our community is having conversations about what's going on in the world and how can we be more effective as leaders and improve our communication and leadership skills. And one thing that's been in the media a lot over the last month or so is the decision by Yahoo to no longer allow employees to telecommute. And this got me thinking about the, you know, how leadership has changed in some ways, and of course, in some ways not changed, on how we're all leading virtually and some of the positives and negatives about that. And got into conversation with a few people in our community and uh, ended up talking with uh, one person in particular and thought it would be interesting to approach this topic in a show and talk about leading virtually and maybe some best practices for doing it. And many of us are, even if we're not working in a virtual environment or working from home, uh, many of us are leading and influencing people that are in other locations or that do work from home. And even if we're not managing them formally, we are all influencing people all the time. I look back on my week and I think about all the different time zones I talked to people in the last week. And I think I added up like six or seven time zones. It's that, But that's a typical week now. And I think it's a typical week for many of you as well. And so I'm really pleased to welcome Lauren Cousset on the show today. He is from Microsoft, has a lot of experience leading people virtually. I think you'll find his thoughts really valuable. So here's my interview with Lauren Cousset. I am thrilled to welcome as my guest this week, Lauren Cousset. Lauren is the head of worldwide commercial customer service for Microsoft, and he is joining me today to speak about the topic of virtual leadership, how to lead people when you're not physically in the same place. And Lauren and I got connected from one of our community members and longtime listeners, Duke Whitman, who also is at Microsoft. And Duke said, Duke and I were actually talking about the recent uh, decision by Yahoo to not uh, do virtual uh, virtual uh, work anymore for their employees. And we were going back and forth and kind of talking about that decision and talking about just that skill and that competency that leaders need to have these days. And uh, in that conversation, Duke said, you know, who would be great to talk to is Lauren. Lauren has been doing this for a long time, knows a lot about virtual leadership and management of teams and would provide some wonderful perspective. And so, Lauren, I am so thrilled to welcome you to the show. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Well, thanks very much, Dave. I'm, I appreciate the the opportunity to talk and uh, looking forward to it. Oh, me too. Before we get started and talk a little bit about virtual leadership, tell me about your role at Microsoft and just kind of how you're physically spaced from your team so we can get a thumbnail sketch of uh, how your organization set up. Sure. Well, uh, as you mentioned at the intro, I'm I'm currently leading the uh, the customer service group for our for our commercial uh, business support uh, organization over at Microsoft. And so, almost just by nature of the fact that I it, I am in sort of a global role, I'm 
you know, providing leadership not only over a, a delivery, a team of, of, uh, of uh, uh, delivery managers who, who oversee our number of our car call centers across North America, um, but I also have kind of a virtual leadership role over uh, similar functions around the world in regions, uh, you know, all, all around the world, uh, Latin America, um, Europe, Asia, and, uh, and Japan as well. Wow. Um, so, you know, the nature of my role just by the fact that it's global has a certain degree of remote leadership tied to it. Um, that's sort of, uh, I guess, compounded by the fact that I'm actually based in Toronto, Canada, uh, even though, you know, most of my direct reports are, are scattered across the U.S. and, uh, and other parts. And so that sort of leads to kind of a dual, uh, leadership where I'm not only a, a virtual leader for sort of a, a worldwide community, but even my, my, my own direct reports, uh, are scattered across the U.S. as well. One of the things that I've noticed just in my work in the last, especially the last year or so, Lauren, is even though I, most of the people I'm leading are in the States here, uh, how much, you know, uh, things really do vary day by day as far as time zones, connecting with people. So I'm wondering if you could share with us just what a, what's a typical day like for you and, and what kind of tools are you using to stay connected with your team and what does that look like in practice on a daily basis? Well, certainly, as you can probably imagine in our business, there really isn't such a thing as a typical day. Um, but I think if I, if I kind of think about the sort of elements of virtual leadership that, that occur sort of typically throughout, throughout, uh, the course of my work, there's obviously, uh, sort of very day to day interactions that happen, you know, with the stakeholders that I work with right around the world. Um, that, that may involve sort of regularly scheduled meetings, uh, that, often involves sort of dealing with more urgent things that sort of pop up at any time. Mm. All of that type of stuff is naturally, you know, we, we don't have a lot of options to, to deal in any other way other than remote uh, contact. And so, uh, you know, we use our technology, you know, extensively. <clears throat> so from my, you know, from my end and as a, as a Microsoft employee, we're, we're very plugged into a tool called Link, which uh, Link is actually what uh, you and I are speaking through right now. It is. Um, that's, that's basically the, uh, you know, the, a communications uh, tool that we use both for voice communications uh, as well as you know we could we can we can do video just as easily and um, so a lot of our communications a lot of our uh, sort of all of interactions that I have with the folks I work with are uh, are through that tool mm. I mean there's obviously your you know your your emails and and uh, you know other sort of standard vehicles for for kind of keeping keeping connected but uh, I think this link tool is probably sort of the primary one for us to uh, to keep you know, the people across the organization connected at all times. I know you've I'm had... Not sure if, I'm not sure if that's totally answering the entire question of what our, what a typical day is, but uh, but hopefully gives a sense of the, whatever, the bustle of it and the, uh, you know, the, the international flavor that, uh, again, this, you know, the, the communication tools we use uh, allows us to keep all connected. Yeah, and I think the only other question that brings up for me, Lauren, is how you manage, like, time zones and interacting with people who are in very different schedules. Um, is that something that you find that you will sometimes be doing things like late in the evening or early in the morning or do other folks adapt to you or do you kind of just kind of see how it goes with each individual person? Uh, of course. Well, what I found a, a couple things, you know, although I'm based in Toronto, what I've, what I have found is that in order to make, make my daily work, you know, work with uh, my management team and with my direct reports, uh, I've effectively adopted my own schedule to Pacific time where the rest of where the rest of the business is sort of centered. And oh, so interesting. I, I do find I tend to start my day maybe a little bit later than many of my colleagues here in Toronto, uh, but then I'll end the day also very late. So I'll sort of have maybe, an, you know, 
a 9, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. kind of schedule rather than sort of a, you know, a, an 8 to 5 or something like, like others out here would have. Um, obviously, though, in an environment where you're working with a lot of uh, contacts in the regions around the world, you do also have to find a way to stay connected, uh, you know, with, with, with people who may be a full 12 hours away from you. So we've, we've set up a rhythm of different types of calls, you know, so when we do our international calls, we'll kind of alternate between doing them very, very early in the morning and, you know, subsequently doing them very, very late in the evening. And in that way, we end up accommodating all of the regions without, uh, you know, putting anyone out repeatedly month over month, mm. if that makes sense. So Got we it. kind of say, you know, our, our monthly reviews will, you know, be morning ones for this month and evening ones for next month. And in that way, everyone, whatever, suffers equally, which I suppose is, uh, <laughs> right. exactly. is, the, is the best way to do it. So you've been doing this for a bit at leading virtual teams. What's different about leading people working virtually than leading in other venues? Hmm. Well, I think probably the most obvious component is just, you know, you don't tend to have the physical presence. You know, one of the one of the nice things about being in a room full of people is you're visible and you can show body language and you can, you know, make your point, you know, you know, you can be directive and, and, and visible in, in the things that you're you're doing and saying. Now, as soon as you're remote, I mean, even if you do have a video going, you, you still kind of lose that sense of physical presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what it's kind of forced on me, and I think it's maybe just something that we all sort of adapt to is, you know, a good part of your leadership in the course of leading a meeting or leading people through discussions is, you know, there's there's a component of just, you know, you're exercising leadership through the tone of your voice and through through the way that you, you know, carry yourself vocally. Um, so that's probably sort of the, the most obvious difference. I think what it's, what it's also led to, though, for me is I try to do as much of the leading as I can. Um, outside of the actual meetings themselves, if that makes sense. I, I think it's very important for, for any remote leader to, you know, do what they can to build the right connections with the key stakeholders that they work with or will be working with kind of before those events happen. It's it's a lot easier to sort of exercise leadership and, and build confidence and respect amongst uh, the people you work with if they kind of know you before that moment where you're whatever, you know, leading them through something. And so uh, for me, a big part of, I think, my success in, in this role has been about, you know, building those remote relationships mm. um, so that leadership becomes less about how you conduct yourself in those, you know, specific meetings or those specific events that are maybe a little bit more spread out in time. It's interesting to hear you say that because I've definitely noticed that pattern with people I've worked with and clients who've been pretty successful at being able to navigate politics of organizations is that they seem there seems to be a general consensus that a lot of decisions and a lot of leadership doesn't necessarily happen at the meeting. It happens before the meeting or after the meeting. And that it's interesting that you're sort of, uh, you've had that experience as well of really taking the time to build those connections before meetings and before major decisions in order to get engagement with people. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, in, in some respects, perhaps being a remote remote employee and a remote leader almost forces you to learn that in ways that perhaps you don't, you know, you, you don't have the op- the opportunity to experience the need for that as much when you are present. So there may be some, whatever, peripheral benefits of being remote like this that, that come out. Yeah. So this leads to my next question, which is how do you set expectations with your team about what a remote relationship will will be like with you? Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. That was an interesting question. I kind of felt when I when when you'd mentioned this question would be coming up earlier, I found myself uh, lost thinking, boy, that's an obvious one, and I don't really have a good answer. Um, and I guess I realized as I thought about this that I I really I really don't explicitly sort of set out some rules up front of here's how it's going to be to you know to work with me and what our remote relationship is going to be like. I think in some ways a successful relationship is or a successful remote relationship is probably one that you don't really even notice as being a remote one. Um, and so, you know, in some ways, I guess my goal is just to, to be and feel very present with the people that I'm working with, you know, at all times. And again, sort of getting back to, um, it's, it's a lot more than just, you know, the individual meetings that you might have with people, but making a point of, even when you don't have meetings with them to try to be a little bit present to use link to, you know, say hello and check in with people periodically and so on. If you, if you sort of exercise that kind of conscious effort to be present throughout the course of, well, throughout the course of, of, of working, um, I don't know that, I don't know that there's really a need to sort of say, here's the way it's going to be and here's how we're going to work together over the course of this remote relationship. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, I do have a few, I guess, little principles or practices that I, that I've tended to apply as a result of sort of, I don't know, going through some learnings in this experience. Um, you know, so a basic one is that I do make a point of having at least a, a formal one-on-one -on -one meeting every single week with, with my employees and key stakeholders. So, you know, in, in previous roles, particularly in sort of in the on, on-premise relationship, if you like, you know, you could go for two weeks or even a month without having, you know, a lot of regular formal dialogue with your manager. Sure. Um, and what I found is in, in, in this environment, that, that can very quickly create a sense of distance. So even though I, I do sort of consciously make regular efforts every single day to reach out to to key to key stakeholders and employees and so on, um, I also do have at least one sort of formal discussion with all of them a week. You know, it may not be a long one, but just something that's in the calendar that ensures we we, we do stay connected on the things that we're each you know doing and working on and our priorities and so on, um, because it, it is I think easy to to lose sight of one another if, if you don't do that. So, you know, I guess I've got a few, I don't know if you call those ground rules, but they're nothing I'm sort of explicit about. It's just something I apply and no one's argued about it, so I keep doing it. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Lauren, because I've noticed with my work at Dale Carnegie that, you know, we've done some virtual leadership over the last year or so. And there's definitely people that I don't connect with as much just because I don't see them. And, and if I don't make that effort, we can go three, four or five weeks sometimes without making that connection if we're not actively working on something. So it is really easy to fall into that trap if you're not being intentional about that, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and over, over time, you suddenly realize you really are disconnected. And I think, yeah. you know, if I go back to sort of early learnings from, from when I first was being remotely managed, that's almost 10 years ago now, you know, that, that was one of my, my biggest learnings at that time was by, by not making conscious efforts to stay connected with who was my sort of remote manager at the time, you know, a month would go by and I would realize, boy, that manager had no idea what I had been up to over the last month. And mm. I had no ideas of what that manager might be expecting from me and created a very, I don't know, not a very, you know, fast paced, productive, you know, successful relationship. Not that any bad things happen, but it, you know, we, it's hard to really drive a business forward when you're, when you're not deeply connected. And so, um, over time, I, you know, I just learned to, that you really need, you do need to, to find ways to stay connected, you know, no matter what. And that it's, it's important to, I think, have a few little rules like that. Um, 
just to make sure that, you know, even in times when you're really busy, you're still going to stay connected with those important stakeholders on a very regular basis. Yeah, it sounds like a really important mind shift that you made when you got into the position of leading virtually. I'm I'm curious also what other mind shifts you may have made when you began to lead virtually a lot, or maybe even when you were starting to, when you were led virtually of things that were changes that uh, that were helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, so as I mentioned, you know, I've been, I think, remotely managed now for something close to 10 years now. It, again, partly as a result of just the role I'm in and the, the size of the company that I work for, the, you know, the, the opportunity, the likelihood that you, you may be managed by someone who's not in the same building as you is, you know, grows, grows steadily and, and, and is certainly there. Um, and early on, I, I did find it difficult. You know, I, I found that I was, I felt a bit like an island every day coming to work and doing my thing and, Again, not necessarily finding the good opportunities to really keep my manager connected on what I was working on and and where you know where I was where I thought we should go as a business and probably through that undermining my own effectiveness because you know I my own vision for where we might be never really surfaced a whole lot. Mm. So I, I I guess the biggest mind shift that's sort of happened to me or that I that I that I've kind of adopted um, since that time is really the realization that. Both being managed and managing uh, from a remote setup uh, requires a certain kind of effort. You do have to do it consciously. You you can't just kind of hope it works out and just sort of work the way you might have always worked in a you know in a sort of on-premise or whatever in a face-to-face environment. You do have to consciously make those little steps to be visible and present. And you do need to make those you know schedule those regular meetings with people that you won't otherwise see or, or be able to speak to it regularly. <clears throat> I think you also, you probably also have to set some rules for yourself that, you know, to, to recognize that, you know, in, in some ways I think um, it isn't a disadvantage to be remote. You know, you, you can you can kind of decide that it is a disadvantage. And once you've decided that it's a disadvantage to be remote, you'll all of a sudden maybe be a little bit apologetic if you try to you know, speak up during a meeting or, you know, be afraid to disrupt the flow of the conversation. And I think in some ways, if you just choose to decide that it's not a disadvantage and that you're not going to, you know, apologize for, for being vocal uh, and kind of recognize that, you know, you're you're involved for a reason and your, your contribution is kind of expected. Um, and in some ways, you just have to therefore sort of make a conscious decision that you will be present and active and engaged in all conversations rather than, you know, becoming that kind of silent person on the speakerphone, which I think you could very easily become if you're not uh, sort of being conscious about the uh, the experience and the approach you want to take as a as a remote employee. Yeah, and it's actually does that all, all makes sense. Yeah. yeah, no, it does. And I was thinking, you know, what great advice for people working in the same physical location too. I, and I think it's interesting because sometimes people sort of. If they're not being intentional about it, they slide by in a physical environment if they aren't as engaged or as present. But it's a little harder to do that virtually. I mean, you really do have to make that uh, an intentional part of your day. But gosh, so important for people in a physical environment, too, to really contribute and to stay connected. And it's one thing to be physically in the room. It's another thing to be really present. Absolutely. That's a very good point. And once again, maybe, you know, maybe just another piece of evidence that there really isn't that much difference between you know, managing remotely and managing in, you know, uh, whatever on, on premise, it's, it's, 
it's really just a conscious decision that you make yourself either way. Yeah, yeah. What would you like to have known about moving into a virtual environment that you didn't necessarily know when you started doing this a lot? I think in some ways we've touched on that one already. I think the main point for me really is is I it never occurred to me early on that that this this environment was going to require any different effort from what I'd done previously. And so, mm. you know, early on I just sort of took the same approach that I had taken when working with, you know, people sort of internally and I think it, in becoming remote, I like I said, I did sort of realize it did require some effort, and you had to be very conscious about making yourself visible and present and engaged, um, so that you didn't sort of slide into the background. Um, that's something that might have been useful to know early on. That I just, you know, over time you start realizing, in order to to be effective, you're going to have to, you know, make a conscious effort, and that's uh, that's I think probably the biggest takeaway. I'm sure there are others, um, but that was certainly the. The main one I give to, to others when, when they're first moving into a remote environment is to you know, make sure that you're conscious about how you're going to conduct yourself. That's great advice, and that's uh, something I'm, I'm already thinking about, some things I'll structure my day with differently based on what you've been saying and how I'm <laughs> leading people virtually, too. So, um, you know, Lauren, one of the things that I find is an under a conversation that doesn't happen very much uh, in leadership or among leaders is that leadership can be pretty lonely. Um, and I would imagine, and, and having done more of it in the last year or two, leading virtually can be even lonelier sometimes. So what do you do to stay in community with others, um, both professionally and personally, that keeps you well-connected with the world and with your professional community? Huh. That, that's a really interesting question. And to be honest, I have never felt lonely in, in, in my role. Oh, yeah? Um, and I think it's probably because I do some of the things that I described earlier to 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 maintain a sense of connectedness with with the people that I work with mm. every day. I mean, if you know, despite the fact that I'm three thousand miles away from most of my employees, I think most of them, you know, most of them would say, "Yeah, I, I think I speak to Lauren probably every day at some point," and that's often just through you know through the the the, the, the uh, technology that we that I described earlier, um, but. But I think, you know, that sense of loneliness usually comes from a sense of not being connected. And I think perhaps, you know, as a remote worker who hasn't found the way to make sure they do stay connected with the people they they sort of work and interact with every day, um, you know, maybe you could get that feeling. And maybe that is, you know, kind of subconsciously part of why I, I have made those very conscious efforts to, you know, to, to not sort of disappear into the background and, and to be sort of a little bit invisible because perhaps that would lead to a sense of isolation that, no, honestly, I think perhaps it's just me, but I, I really haven't found that this environment creates that for me. And uh, again, perhaps that was a conscious decision I just didn't realize was a conscious one. Okay, great. I'm going to hire you for some coaching then because I think that's something I could improve upon. <laughs> huh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, um, what, what, what kind of rate are you paying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk after. We'll talk offline later. <laughs> uh, hey, Lauren, you know, you've you've had a really successful career. You work for an organization that just has a wonderful reputation and a great brand around the world. Um, so you're doing a lot of things right in your role and you've been doing it for a while. What's a discovery that you've made about yourself along the way that you feel that's contributed to your success? Huh. <laughs> This is one of the questions that stumped me earlier, um, as I thought about it. I, I, I think in some ways, um, probably the answer to that one is a similar one to, to, to the question you asked earlier about, uh, you know, things things I've learned or things, uh, you know, key takeaways. Mm -hmm. I think 
making the effort to build the relationships with with the people with whom you who are your stakeholders or who are involved in, in your life and the work that you do or impacted by it every day um, is just such an, a valuable and critical component of being successful. I think if people don't really know you or don't have a trust in you or haven't built the right level of confidence in, in your abilities, it's it's hard to get things done. And I find, um, you know, the way to get around that is to, is to reach out and connect with people. And that doesn't, I think that's just as easy to do as a, you know, as an in the building employee as it is with, uh, with a remote one. Hmm. Um, so you just use the technology differently, I think, but, um, or use technology versus, you know, using your feet, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I think for me, that's been the biggest one that if, you know, you, you, if you know who are stakeholders in your work, get to know them and, and help them to, uh, you know, to, to know you because that'll ultimately build the sort of confidence and relationships that you'll need to then be able to get things done and to be effective as a leader, uh, as you work with people down the road. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time, Lauren, and uh, you taking a few minutes out of your day to connect with our audience. And uh, I know that folks will gain a lot from your wisdom and your experience. And uh, thanks for uh, being a part of the show today. No problem at all, Dave. Thanks very much for the opportunity and uh, great talking with you uh, once again. Lauren Cousset is the head of worldwide commercial customer service for Microsoft. Lauren, have a great day. Thanks again, Dave, and you too. One thing I'm going to be doing after having this conversation with Lauren is be more intentional about connecting with people that I interact with virtually every week. I uh, keep in touch with people weekly, but I'm starting to think after talking to Lauren, hey, maybe doing a little more often is probably better, even the people I don't necessarily lead formally. And so that's one thing that I'm doing coming out of this conversation. And you hopefully are doing something differently as well. And I'd love to hear what you took away and also what you'd like to add in what's worked well for you as you've led virtually in the recent past and found things that have been effective. Join us on the conversation at coachingforleaders.com slash 87. That's a great way to connect with the dialogue about the show. You can also call me at 949-38-LEARN to leave a comment, question, or feedback. And a great way to reach me too is by email, and that is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, you may remember I recorded a show a couple weeks ago on how to pick yourself up when you're down. You know, it's interesting. I had one of those weeks where I was doubting myself on a few different projects and interactions and with people. And you know how you have those weeks sometimes? You just don't feel like you're firing at all cylinders. I had one of those weeks. And I was going back at one point during the week and looking for something else. And I was looking and came across some old quotes that I had written down and recorded. And one of them was this little quote. I'm not sure if it's a quote or a poem from T.S. Eliot, who was one of my favorite poets. And I found this little tiny paragraph. I don't remember where I found it, but I thought it, uh, it was helpful to me. I thought it might be helpful to you too. Here it is. In order to arrive at what you do not know, you must go by the way, which is the way of ignorance. In order to possess what you do not possess, you must go by the way of dispossession. In order to arrive at what you are not, you must go through the way in which you are not. And what you do not know is the only thing you know. And what you own is what you do not own. And where you are is where you are not. T.S. Eliot. 
Hey, thank you to Bill Crosby, Tom Otley, Rick Becerra, Adrana Clamat, Ben Gariba, Sandra Perez, Miriam Sislasvili for following me this week on either Twitter, Facebook, or Google+. Hey, if you'd like to stay connected with me as well, simply go to coachingforleaders.com slash Twitter slash Facebook or slash plus. That's a great way to stay connected. And hey, a very special thank you to David Solar. David, thank you for the kind review you left me on the iTunes uh, platform. I so appreciate you taking the time to do that. Hey, if you've been listening to the show for a while and it's been helpful to you and you use iTunes, uh, please go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. And I'd love to receive a written review from you as well. And thank you in advance if you choose to do that. It helps more people to find the show. Hey, if you would like a midweek booster shot, I send out an email article every week with a booster shot of good leadership, communication skills. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. It's free and you'll hear from me in your email box pretty much every Wednesday. Hey, have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next week.